You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, May the 19th, 2022. You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 105. My name is Marvin Yet, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew. What up, Marvin? What up, Jess? Um, this month I'm like a partial Asian, like professional Asian, <laughs> which I guess is like the worst time to take, you know, time off from being Asian because it's like, you know, heritage month. But it's also my birthday month, and I've been celebrating for like a month now, and I'm so tired, but I'm having a good time. I mean, celebrating yourself is celebrating Asians, right? So. Yes, let's say that. I'm really doing my due diligence. Good job. That That's why she's she's an editor. That's why she's in media, Marvin. It's all about spin. Spin, baby. Spin that's why industry. she does not need to be self-proclaimed. She is a professional Asian culture editor <laughs> on win. Hey, <laughs> how has your um, APAM been? Because um, as probably the resident Asian in your outlet, I'm sure you're being called to action to um, carry the load this month. <sighs> you know, it's funny because I don't know if anyone else realizes it's Asian American month. <laughs> um, so I've been getting pitches aplenty for sure, but it's kind of like very thin. And so I'm just like, well, here's the thing. Would I have covered this any other time of the year? And that's kind of where I, you know, I, I've been looking for it. But it's also, I have not been getting pitched freelance stories. Like I've been getting pitched stuff from publicists. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to cover Bling Empire, you know, um, or whatever other just random things. But um yeah, so it's kind of been a weird APOM for me. It's like I've been searching and searching for like good stories. And I was like, I can't just write them all, you know, <laughs> like that doesn't work. So, um, yeah, I've been just like looking. It's been kind of thin. Um, that is wild. Yeah, I think it's nuts because last year I had like them out the wazoo. Um, to the point where I was just like turning down stories because I was like, I can only have so many, you know, like spa stories read over. <laughs> um, but and I don't I, I just I'm kind of confused about what's going on but also just in general um, entertainment and culture has been very weird this month and just uh, so like if everyone's been hearing about like the Netflix layoffs and then the Netflix subscribers going down um, we've actually been trying to figure out like what people are watching what people want to read about because the numbers have just been wonky so um, I think that's also part of it where it's kind of like I feel like I'm sort of scrambling and trying to figure out what people want uh, to read about. So um, I think maybe it's part of the month 3000 of being in a pandemic. Um, some people pretending that everything's open. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's just a lot of like inconsistent, like, I don't know, behavior, I guess. I mean, maybe Asians are tired of APAM too, which is totally yeah. fair it is a month yeah. that we're heavily pandered to um which doesn't always feel good right right like i covered stuff last month um <laughs> because it just it warranted it and i'm going to have some stuff this month for sure like we've been working on some lists and things like that but at the same time i was just like i don't think i need to make it more concentrated right now it's it's kind of like i don't want to call it like rainbow capitalism for like pride month but kind of um <laughs> Where, like, I'm glad that people are pushing out more content, but it's also, like, some of it is worthy and some of it, it does feel very, like, corporate. 
Mm. So that, that's where I'm kind of like, you know what? Like, I, I felt like, um, what was it? Uh, with all the moms, the angry moms, what mo- month was oh, that? Um, was that um, Mama Trauma? Yeah, Ma- yeah, Mama yeah, Trauma. Um, yes, month. Mama Trauma March. I felt like that was more, like, Asian <laughs> month to me than, like, this one has been. So There was a lot of great Mama Asian movies. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> there hasn't been a lot. I mean, like we are going to make this as Asian as we can by talking about Doctor Strange. Uh, so, hey. uh, yes, the most Asian <laughs> of movies. It does yes. feature Asians, so it totally counts. At least one, Falls and then there's purview. one white whitewashed one from previous. Oh well, movie. we don't talk about her anymore because right? she, she dead in this universe. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, in case that didn't include you, and on this episode, we're talking about the latest <laughs> MCU, um, I guess, superhero film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, we have plenty of thoughts, including, I'm guessing, thoughts about our just our general uh, feelings of the MCU as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through um, the week. So let's start with Jess. What's popping? So part of my birthday celebration is I went to Las Vegas to watch the Silk Sonic Residency. And yes, I consider that an Asian boy band. Mm -hmm. For those of you who have been living under a rock and do not listen to any form of music or radio, Silk Sonic is the collaboration band between Bruno Mars and Anderson Paak. And my goodness, what a show. <laughs> it's fantastic. Number one, they lock your phones away. So everyone's just like vibing and having a good time. They, it's it's like a short, tight 90 minute show. They they sing. There's not like a, you know, it's one of those smaller theaters built for a residency. So there's not really a bad seat in the house. And I I, I get it, you know, like I've I've been a fan and then you just watch them live and you're like, my goodness, how do you both have so much energy? Nonstop, <laughs> amazing vocals, the dancing. And like, you know, all this about Bruno Mars. Like, you know, he's an amazing singer and you know, he's an amazing songwriter and you know, he's an amazing dancer. And then you see it, you're like, wow, he's really amazing. And Anderson Pock is such a ham. It takes a lot of energy to make Bruno Mars look like the straight man. <laughs> yeah. He's been rocking the, you know, the little silver wig thing. And there's also, there was a really great article that like, I mean, I know there's been something like, it's a kind of a weird style of reporting. It's like memoir because I guess I've read a few articles like this recently. I don't know if this is like standard or like an upcoming trend, but it's it's like reporting but almost memoir ish mixed with like factual reporting because they know the subject they're covering personally. So to engage with it objectively may seem disingenuous. So they might as well just leave. I don't know. Whatever. Fascinating article. Anderson Pock lived a hard life growing up. Uh, so really just fantastic. And like, it was great. So they locked the phone. And here's the thing. Like I came, went with a big group of friends and we all had to take separate Ubers because we wouldn't fit in one. And at a certain point, we're like, okay, what just mean at the seats? But then I would go, I walked through the casino and like going through security. And I think I see my friend seven times. None of them are my friends. Um, <laughs> it's just the Mecca for Philippi- five, five Filipino dudes to go see their king. Bruno Mars, and I'm like, I, I thought, I thought I saw, yeah, I was just so confused. I was like, you know what, I give up. I'm gonna go see my seat, and my friend was at the seat, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, really great. If you could catch it, I think they just extended days, and you know, you're not worried. I'm, I'm still technically under the 
shield of COVID immunity in theory. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go out, you know, really live my life these three months or have a little more protection. <laughs> and it was great. Worth it. My voice totally died, though. I'm still kind of recovering. You could hear the the nice radio husk. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. That's not, those, those are two guys who I guess their brand is to look like they're having as much fun as they possibly can, no matter where they are. And I don't think it's their brand. I think they generally just have a really good it, time. It's kind of like, we don't even got to try. We're, anything we put on, anything we do is just going to be They're gold. having a good time. They want you to have a good time. Yeah. 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 And then not like them? I did say, I'm like, oh my God, no, Bruno, Bruno stop. My boyfriend's here. Like, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but what I like about it is that it's a fun, sexy. It's not, <laughs> yeah. It's not it's, taking itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. He's in a damn like bowl cut haircut and rocking yeah. it, right? Like they are very secure mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're so talented. They are so secure in their masculinities. If that's the vibe I get. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, like if he like wanted to be the third in our relationship, I think we would both allow it. Either of them. <laughs> we would just be a quadrol. There we go. But what is popping <laughs> with you? Uh, not quite to that level. So along with Heartstopper, which I really talked up last week because it just made me feel good and it's so adorable and just keep watching it, people. Um, the other thing that really was making me like just nice escapist and feeling good uh, is The Circle. Um, it is one of the few reality shows that I wholeheartedly really enjoy. Um, it doesn't become really nasty and it's sort of weird about that because like if you're not familiar with the premise it's just people set up in separate apartments and the only way they can communicate with each other is through a a fake social media network called the circle so you literally have these people who go into these apartments and they have to dictate their their like posts to each other like circle message tell Jess hey and but to but put five whys you know and then put the emoji like a winky face you know and that's literally how like conversations go um and then they kind of like you know on great bridge bake-off how you have to kind of narrate what you're doing so then they also do that where you're like so i just said hey to jess because i want her to know i'm flirting you know (laughs) and stuff like that so it's just bizarre but what i like about it is the premise is supposed to be who is popular the most popular wins at the end and they win some money. Um, and so the idea is either you become popular by being yourself on social media or by being fake. Because, of course, no one knows who you are behind the uh, handle on social media. So there are some people who literally come in as catfish. So um, they would be like, like, let's say if I played my dad, because I was like, my dad's just a, like a not very um, controversial, super nice guy. He makes dad jokes. People are going to love him. Um, but then people slip up because they don't know anything about, like, let's say the other gender or, or like whatever the, a 56 year old person would do. Um, so this season, what I really liked about it, because, you know, I'm always looking for the Asian, but the Asian this season is great. Her name is Yu Ling. She's from San Francisco. She's about. 25 and she is only four six but she's the biggest loudest personality ever she is totally into fashion like every single episode you see her doing like ridiculous things with her makeup um 
she has like pink and reddish hair as far as like dyed uh her she's super colorful certain way she rhymes we have you Jess um she says what's on her mind uh but she's just a ton of fun is and she a catfish she's playing herself oh. um which is really great so um so that's a great thing and i i can see her being like a fan favorite um, but the other fun thing I got to mention is earlier in the season, this is not a spoiler because these episodes have already aired, is someone came in as a catfish and played a, a guy named Jared who was a uh, children's book author. But the people behind the catfish were two people. They were two of the Spice Girls. It was Mel B. What? And- <laughs> yes. So two of the Spice Girls got to go into an apartment. They were assigned this character to play as a catfish. So you get Mel B and Emma like talking to each other like, that's not what a 28-year-old would say. You know, and that was just my very bad British <laughs> accent. But then they also reminisce about like what they did on tour. There was a Spice Girls challenge where all the other people had to like um, do Spice Girls trivia, including themselves. And they're like, do we get this right or do we get it wrong? You know, <laughs> because like that would would that prove that they're catfish or not? Um, and uh, yeah, so it's fantastic. And the only reason why they are in there because of course they're rich. They don't need the money. Is if they could stay in to a certain length of time and not get caught as a catfish, then the um, the pot at the end of the game is actually bumped up 50,000. Um, so anyway, I highly recommend the season. If you want something sort of escapist, but not like really trashy, like the uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, which I, I very much am very angry at people, you know, using that as entertainment. Is that <laughs> so, still happening? It is still happening. Oh, yes. People are still people are awful terrible. about it. People are still awful about it. <laughs> and um, that's why you need to watch The Circle instead. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I, so that's that's me. Yeah, I've been ignoring all that. And all the, like, not ignoring, but acknowledging the terrible things that have been happening this past week. It's been yeah. another just like yes, shitty bad. week. But I guess Ugh. to cope, um, this past week, what's brought me joy is this Twitter handle called The PRH Penguin. Which what? is which stands for the Penguin Random House Penguin. <gasps> so it is. In, is it official? So here's you know if you're on social media long enough, occasionally you have these flashpoints where like these meme accounts come alive and become like the hot thing. And right now in book Twitter, which I am involved with sometimes because of my book club, um, this is the big hot thing. So it's not official. What happened was. So whoever runs this account created the PRH Penguin as like a gag account a while ago. And how it came to prominence is, so Grace D. Lee is an author who just published her book, her debut book, um, Portrait of a Thief, which is also our Books and Boba May book club pick. Um, we've talked about it on the show before because it got picked up to become a film. It's the story about Asian Americans who become art thieves to steal back um, stolen art. The author Grace uh, apparently went to Penguin Random House headquarters and took a picture with the penguin. <laughs> so the penguin gag account responded saying, thanks for hanging out with me. I love your book. Which led to people starting to wonder, is this real? And then it just took on a life of its own. Um, someone from Penguin Random House um, actually responded saying, oh, the stuffed animal's name is Alan. We love him. Apparently, it's like the <laughs> office mascot where they pose him in different places, like mm-hmm. having a birthday party. 
And so from then forward, uh, whenever someone asks, who is the PRH Penguin? Um, the, the account will answer, it's me, Alan, the PRH Penguin. <laughs> And, I'm uh, reading. That's I, so cute. I'm reading it right now. I love well done parody accounts, and especially when they are like pro union. So, <laughs> pro- well, yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, George, George the cat is the best pro union account that I follow. So, uh, I will yeah. add the PRH penguin. It's great. It's the new obsession for publishing Twitter, which is trying to find out who exactly is the PRH Penguin, and if they actually work for Penguin Random House. I think one of the most popular tweets is them saying, all these writers want to know who the PRH Penguin is when they should be writing. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's the best distraction, truly. <laughs> and then the amount, of, uh, the amount of salty writers who say, how dare you call me out, is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Why did you tag me in this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's what's popping for me. Um, before we get to Doctor Strange, though, let's check in with our week segment, Go Asian, where we catch up with the latest Top Chef news. Top Chef is entering its final stretch, which means it's road trip time. Um, this challenge takes place in Galveston, which we um, described last week as the beach destination for Houstonians, um, where the beach is kind of gross, right? <laughs> Yeah, like I apologize to Galveston. There's some lovely things in Galveston, but the beach itself is gross, I think. So <laughs> Atlantic Ocean and Gulf is just gross. It's warm. It's warm. It's weird. It feels like yeah. someone just peed there all the time. Yeah, and here's the thing. I eat a lot of the seafood, you know, like they are, we will get to this conversation soon, but like there are giant oysters that we get uh in Houston from Galveston, I'm assuming, or at least the Gulf. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like, I swam in it and maybe it made me stronger, you know, just like <laughs> how if you're exposed to germs when you're growing up, you're stronger for it. So, well, obviously since they're in Galveston, they had to have a seafood challenge, which was the quick fire, which I don't remember what happened. It, it was a seafood tower where you had to make one cold and one hot, oh. um, treatment. It seemed like almost everyone either used oysters crab or shrimp or oysters and shrimp or something like that um and the winner of that one was evelyn so she got 30 minutes um head start for the elimination challenge yeah but what i do remember though is the elimination challenge which we're all we're all dumb dumbs because we all thought we all thought the same thing that they were gonna get a celebrity family and they're gonna split it up yeah um but obviously, this is Top Chef, and they have to bring the families in at some point. And this was a good time. Um, so each of our chef testants were given a random family member um, to cook for as private chefs. And they all, it was on, but none of them knew who they were. But, you know, most of them figured it out from the, um, the dossiers that they received. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool challenge. I thought it was very cute. And I it made me wonder, like, who they would have chosen for me if I were in this situation. And what weird thing would they put on there that would tip my their hand and I'd figure out who it would be. Right. I mean, Evelyn was so happy to have her father. I don't think I would want either of my parents to. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. Just stressful. Just stressful. It's like when they, the Boston season where they brought May's brother and she's like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> It's like, you don't know how to fucking cook. And she's like, God, this is so much more annoying. And like, Wait, everyone's like, oh, my God, I found She's like, God damn it. Was it the challenge where they're, like, cooking on the other side of a wall? Yeah. Was that was so stressful. Like, that's so mean. 
you can't they do, do that sometimes or, or they brought the family and they were responsible for the appetizer and like oh, the, no the, the, no it's gonna touch it she's like god damn it yeah that's tough that's tough um but anyway uh, it's a great go asian episode because our sole remaining asian buddha knocked it out of the park with his um with the dish he made for his wife with his um pasta amatrian <laughs> Mm-hmm. which represented the dish that made him realize he wanted to marry her. A story in which he told 10 times in this episode. <laughs> yes. At first I was like, does this mean he's going home? Because they <laughs> could, like featured him so much. Uh, but nope. It was saying that basically <laughs> uh, he fell in love with his wife because she made it for him. It was so good. She, he was like, I want to marry you. And then uh, he made it for her. Which, to and be also, fair, it looked very good. I would eat yeah. that pasta. And also, for him, it's uh, not usual because he usually chefs it up. This is a very uh, homey, comforting mm-hmm. dish. He did not go off and make like foam or do anything fancy with it. and But he just did it perfectly. So I was just like, where can I get this? After yeah. I, I saw it, yeah. It so, bodes well because it him. shows that he has versatility. He, he can do something super, you know, modern, but he can also do the classics, which, you know, it's a good a good signal going forward. I think it, it singles him out as probably the front runner going forward, especially with Noma guy no longer in the running. He also made that decision very deliberately because he talked about it. He's like, I guess I, I, he's like, I decided not to do anything else except for this dish. I didn't, he, he said he didn't chef it up on purpose and everyone was surprised about that. And then they finally said that you actually like fit the brief of what this challenge was, you know, which was family style, giving something like, you know, to your family member that they like, um, but also done well. On the Smart. other end, though, once again, <laughs> Ashley was the one to pack her knives and go for the second time. And it's just sad because her highs were so high, but she had so many lows. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so she got sent home because of undercooked squid, which was um, highlighted during the cook, mm-hmm. which sometimes is a head fake by the happy elves. But even looking at it, wait, you're going to undercook your squid? Yeah. That just sounds gross. As soon as she said that, I was like, you can't just stick it in acid and expect that to cook it. Like, <laughs> uh, because it's squid. Like, that's the thing. You you tenderize it. You cook it. You do all the things to ke- make it tender. So, yeah, that made me uh, sort of cringe. And then um, she also had bad rice, which is a downfall of many a chef on reality shows. Yeah, you can't have a mm. bad protein and a bad carb. Yeah. Uh, so as much as I liked Ashley, but you're right, the highs are highs. The lows were super low. That would have been like a super disappointing dish for me because I also love paella. And the fact that they said that it was nothing like paella, I was like, <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, well, five chefs move on to, I guess, the last challenge before the finale. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, Buddha's still in the running, and I guess we'll find out if he makes it to the finale next episode. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Um, That'll do it for Go Asian for this week. And what's popping? When we come back, we're talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Life gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. 
I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, good pop listeners. It's Marvin. I uh, just want to give a quick spoiler warning for our upcoming discussion of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Just a heads up that the discussion heats up right away. So the spoiler safeties come off real early in our next segment. So if you haven't watched the film yet because you haven't had the time or you're still uncomfortable with watching movies in public spaces, and if you care about being spoiled, then I would suggest maybe stopping the podcast here and picking us up once you have watched the film. Um, if you are a fan of our vibe here at Good Pop, I'm sure you'll be eager to know what our thoughts are. Um, because, man, we have a lot. Um, and if you're one of those people who don't care about spoilers or if knowing spoilers actually enhances your viewing experience, then uh, don't let me stop you. But yeah, uh, thanks again for listening to Good Pop and uh, back to our show. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about the latest film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, um, starring Benedict I was about to say Benedict. I should. I'm just going to say Benedict Wong first, because he is our yes, favorite Benedict, Benedict in this film. Um, also, Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. um, Sochi Gomez, Elizabeth Olsen, and um, who's the Mean Girls girl? Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. How dare you? Oh my God! Put some respect on her name. I love her. She's such a great actress. She's, she's also, so good. She's also a nice person, so I like her. Yes, I have heard that as well from friends. And I think she's so underrated, but whatever. We can talk about that later. The film follows Doctor Strange as he travels the multiverse along with his, I guess, new sidekick, America Chavez, who has the ability to kick gates through the multiverses um, while being chased by monsters, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, the film was directed by Sam Raimi and man. What a Raimi ass Raimi film it turned out to be. Um, so I guess without further ado, let's just jump into it. What did we think of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? <laughs> I mean, I'll start. Um, and, you know, let's just set the scene for like my vibe this entire podcast. But, you know, I think I've hit my Marvel saturation point. I think this is it. Um, I was kind of excited you know, a few months ago, because I knew this was kind of the continuation of the Wanda Maximoff story. I love Sam Raimi. I think he's a very talented director. Love Spider-Man Spider-Man 2. I just do not care about Doctor Strange. And it's such a weird thing, because we see so much of him, because he's been peppered through. and so integral to so many of these movies, but this is only his second movie. And then I realized I just like to not care about him as a character at mm -hmm. all. So I'm just like, this is so dumb. And the character I do care about, Wanda, and I love Elizabeth Olsen. I'm like, wow, you guys do not. It gave me a lot of like, ah, <laughs> oh, men are mending it up again. Yeah, I mean, I like the magical metaphysical MCU because it lets Marvel like it lets Marvel's directors like take swings, right? Let's them do some crazy things. And 
while this film took swings, they were going for singles. Sorry to use the baseball metaphor, but they were playing it safe, which was kind of a bummer. I mean, there were parts of the film where Raimi got to go full Raimi, and those were hilarious. I was cackling in my theater. But in terms of like the overall MCU like interconnected storylines, they pulled a lot of their punches, and they kind of like what they did to certain characters who had a whole season of television buildup was really sad, and I was really bummed out. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Han, go for it. I mean, I kind of am agreeing with all of this. So Doctor Strange... Ever since I was a kid, I did not give a fuck about like I, I I always saw this guy, you know, with his like weird cape. And I was like, I don't care. And then um, the first movie came out and I never watched it. And then so for Mother's Day, my friends got tickets. We rented out a theater. So I was like, OK, I guess I'll watch the first one. So I watched the first one the day before. And I was like, well, it had all the problems that I thought it would. But, you know, the movie itself was fine like it wasn't as awful as i thought it was but that's not necessarily a recommendation it was fine um so seeing this back to back it kind of continued the doctor strangeness for me and again as much as i actually think um benedict cumberbatch is a really good actor and i like him in most of his things i think i like him when he's british (laughs) so yes it's weird when he's he 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 became generically american American. yes yes and and I'm just like you are just some Doctor Strange guy, and you're not even. No, you know what it's you know what it feels yeah. like, and it feels like he's doing a poor impersonation or a poor facsimile of Hugh Laurie doing House. Oh, that's so which sad. makes a lot of sense because yeah. House is just Sherlock Holmes, and Hugh Laurie is also like yeah. a British dude who is playing like an asshole American doctor. Yeah. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch has also played Sherlock Holmes. So (laughs) it's the same vibe. But like, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, I I did watch the first version and I'm just like, he was like, I don't like, I don't know if you felt the same, Marvin. Maybe this is like my very like anti straight man bias, but I'm like, you were a shitty person and a shitty boyfriend. (laughs) Like, you deserve all of this. Like, I don't give a shit why we, like, why do I, why should I care? And so, like, if this if the emotional plot line of the second movie hinges on this like what if and this like regret about like Christine question for you would you just you invite your ex to your wedding no absolutely not <laughs> and then also like why would you have that inappropriate conversation after she just got married yeah. like you know- i i fucked I'm like She's fucking married, dude. Like you say, congratulations. You give her a toaster and you move on. I mean, you know why? It's because a man wrote this. Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, on, I don't think men should be allowed to write anything with moms, like where the mom is a main character anymore. Oh my god, it's so um, bad. I, I actually don't think men should be allowed to write movies about relationships with their moms at all. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like enough. And We've I had feel enough. okay. So. No, I guess we're just going full spoilers. I'll put a I'll put a warning before the break to warn people if they haven't watched the film yet. You know what really sucked is the moment this film hit theaters, I was spoiled on YouTube right away because I watch a lot of just mm-hmm. like videos to analyze MCU stuff because you know I have a problem, and I guess because of the algorithm, immediately I was spoiled <laughs> on all the cameos, all the plot mm-hmm. points, like what happens to those cameos right away. So I was just like, fine, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm just gonna. Watch all of them already since I already know what happens. But um, anyways, this film really should have been won this film. It is the continuation of 
WandaVision and should have been like the wrapping up of that storyline, which was what I was excited for. And I guess we got that. We got the, the we got the capping of that storyline, just not in um, the best way. Because I have to say, making Wanda the monster of the movie, making making a monster movie where the monster is a grieving mom was a choice. Yeah, mothers be crazy, right? Like or women be crazy. Women yeah. and especially mothers, you know, who are filled with hormones. Like this was really a choice. Uh when when just when you were saying like I'm not emotionally, you know, invested in this movie. Yeah, there was no emotional investment. The things I liked about it were not uh me being invested in the characters. Um it was all the other extra stuff. So, um yeah, the but the Wanda storyline was really not just offensive, I think, but just such a drag. Like I didn't give a fuck about like her it's, her yeah. doing this. Like it made zero sense. I know the dark hole supposed yeah. They explained like, it away saying, "Oh, it makes them dark," but it's like that's that's just lazy. It, it, it's it's lazy writing because it doesn't matter what made her do it. You are seeing a mother kill, try to kill a kid, basically in order to get steal other. Other kids from the other self, you know, like okay. her other Wanda version. I was just like, ah, hot this take, no hot take too. Did not care about any of these fucking kids. Like, so I didn't care either way. Like, I was like, you literally just introduced me to America Chavez, and like, I know nothing about her. I don't care about her. Right? They didn't. They didn't create any sort of story that we cared about. Like for any yeah. of the women, especially. Any yeah. Of the so girl. she could die for all I care about. Like, don't care about her kids. I don't know anything. I mean, I watched the whole fucking Wandavision and Timmy and Tommy or whatever their names are. <laughs> They're horrible. Are those are those the names of the raccoons in those, Animal Crossing, those are Marvin? Tom Nook's nephews. Yes. It, it's Billy and Tommy, I believe. <laughs> okay, so. yeah, Timmy and Tommy, whatever. Like, I don't give a shit about them. I'm like, I don't care if she gets them back. They're so I, fucking boring. Like, yeah. your kids suck. Why are you working so hard to get back some shitty kids? And it's because a guy wrote this because clearly the only reason a mother, a woman has to uh, to have any reason to do anything is because of kids and also specifically boys. Which, okay, like, <laughs> the guy who wrote this, the same guy who wrote Loki. Loki, Which right? he already wrote a plausible endgame for Wanda, which is that time, that world where you have all the stuff that got deleted from timelines. He has a world where the solution is right there. Let's not, I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into lore shit. Yeah. Um, if you yeah. want to talk to me about it, we can talk offline or wherever. Why, why did they pick this? I mean, I mean, I understand they also probably had a billion writers on this, but like, why did they pick this random dude to write? Because he's part of the system. This movie they gave- about... Really, it's about like parenthood. Even he, you know, the father relationship, the pseudo father relationship that you know Doctor Strange has with America, which does not work either. No, nope. I'm like, I'm looking at his credits. I'm like, yeah, like what makes it like <laughs> this man doesn't write family drama. Yeah, I like, think it needs to be a family drama with the trappings of the multiverse, right? I do. Yeah, I think they they went the other way around. I do like <laughs> America Chavez. I do agree that she was utilized poorly, but as like the plucky kind of sidekick MacGuffin character, I oh, I liked her. I have in the no scenes. problem with the yeah. actress or or the. I mean, I just think the character wasn't given yeah. quite anything to do. Am I also supposed to know who all these? Okay, also like let's talk about the cam. Can we talk about the cameo fest? <laughs> you you the would know who they are dumb. if you've been watching or reading Marvel for like. 
but years. also if you watch, but it's dumb because I shouldn't have to do homework. Well, all, or if you watch What If, I think there was a lot That's in true. there that helped you out. I mean, but, they've all uh, appeared at MCU before, right? Uh, we all know who, Patrick Stewart. We all know who's the dude with the fork on the head. He, <laughs> he's Black Bolt. He's from the Inhumans, and is played by the same guy who played him in that TV show that they got canceled. Yeah, yeah that show to that, that he dies. Like I don't know. No, I don't think you were supposed to care about any of these people dying for real um, because they were alternate. They were universe 838 versions, which is also dumb because I'm like, this does not affect <laughs> anything in the regular storyline. Why the fuck should I care? I did love that they introduced all these characters, some of them who have been like eagerly awaited by the fan base just to murk them like 10 minutes later. <laughs> That was. Did funny. you also? Did you also like how they built in an applause break after each introduction? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was like, oh, seriously, and like that's the thing. Like when you watch it in an empty theater, you're just like, mm-hmm. this is weird pacing. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, it that was just weird. But here's the thing: I like that version of Christine. Yeah, the uh, strong independent version who don't need no Doctor Strange. Yeah, like who's, yeah. who? Yeah, I don't know. So I also, I mean, they just they don't. Oh my god, I'm so dirty. Like, yeah, I, there's no chemistry between her and Benedict Cumberbatch. Absolutely, which none. is totally baffling because they're both good enough actors that I felt like they could have somehow faked it i don't know if it was in direction i know sometimes people just don't have chemistry so maybe that's just it but i felt like they could have um in a different movie i feel like well, a- we all know that marvel movies are kind of sexless yeah and the most the best chemistry also al- always happens unintentionally mm-hmm. like captain america and black widow have like most sexual tension of any wait pairing captain america and winter soldier <laughs> have <laughs> yeah. captain america and then and then black widow and florence Pugh right have great uh, chemistry yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. all those is just like i don't know they were intending like they're trying to get us to buy this like bruce banner natasha i'm like no no don't no these people don't know what sexy is like no also again stop letting men do movies about mothers about romance about yeah. Which I do think the most successful parts of this movie were the mm-hmm. Raimi horror scenes, yep. right? Where she's like crawling through and like bloody and she's getting progressively grosser. Like like the, the, the water and like the popping out. Fantastic. When you make me try to have the emotional climax heart to heart talk with a zombie Stephen Strange, I'm out. I'm sorry. I, so that did not work for me. I, I thought love- the Raimi stuff really did work. When Zombie Strange showed up, and let's face it, that was Chekhov's strange body, right? They 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 put mm. that body in that mantle um, in the first act and <laughs> brought it back in the third act. And yeah. I, as a fan of like the Evil Dead movies, I was like, oh, this is the most Evil Dead they've ever gone in a Marvel movie. Yeah, I. Well, here's the thing, I the whole what you were saying, the heart to heart with the Evil Dead zombies, Doctor Strange. I didn't buy it as a touching moment. I bought it as as uh, camp. So as soon as I saw that he was going to, you know, um, possess his dead body of an alternate universe version of himself, and then all the 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 demons are like, "No, you can't do that. That's against the rules." I was just laughing my ass off. So <laughs> I, I felt like anything 
zombie strange did as long as it was like really going for it i un- i like enjoyed it um yeah i feel felt like if they played it straight i wouldn't have liked it i feel like the parts that really worked were those raimi parts right the um the absurd music battle that they had yeah, against like evil evil strange the entire chase sequence in the basement of that mm-hmm. facility where it's just a mom like again granted the monster is a sad mom which is not cool but the fact that it's like it was a chase scene with a monster where you're constantly looking back saying is the monster gone and getting jump scared i thought that part worked the best and I, that was i think also the part that scared the most children in my theater yes, yes. <laughs> i had heard so many complaints from the like younger kids well younger 20 maybe teenagers um in my group where they're just like why is this scary what's going on please y'all weak man come on we were watching like bootleg hills have eyes when we were like 10 <laughs> I, yeah, come on also as someone who does not like horror and yet has watched a ton of horror in my time this was not scary come on it was not scary uh, there, there, I, I draw a line between actual scary like horror and then just sort of like playing in the uh, fantastical supernatural universe. And that's what I feel like this is. Honestly, Evil Dead is scarier than, than Doctor Evil Strange. Dead 1. Evil Dead yeah, 2 Evil Dead one was, was kind uh, of yeah. goofy. Um, I did love the obligatory Bruce Campbell um, cameo slash Evil Dead 2 callback with the um, possessed mm-hmm. hand. Um, yeah, thought that was, that was nice, nicely done, Mr. Raimi. Um I felt visually there were a lot of things that um, played into the Raimi, you know, uh, Evil Dead universe that like made me feel like I was watching something different. Yeah. Um, So I enjoyed that. So honestly, like you were saying, you know, this should have been Wanda's film. Honestly, I don't think so. If they just cut out Wanda and made an actual bad guy, bad guy, I would have liked it better. I feel yeah. The mo- the the, mo- the mother storyline just really kind of like ruined half of the movie for me. I mean, Elizabeth Olsen served right. Let's get that. She did a fantastic job. It's just like mm-hmm. just knowing that like this doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I feel like all the character development that we had. Throughout WandaVision, including the, you know, the iffy end, but at least, you know, there was some development there. All of that was thrown out the window to make her the bad guy, which I think probably she was always supposed to be in this film. And they had to shoehorn that in. I'm not sure what came first, WandaVision or the script for this film. But part of me was wishing that it should have been like if she was going to be a major part of this film and if a major plot point was to be to find the kids. They should have been doing it together, right? She should have been like, they should be helping her, you know, fill in that hole in her heart instead of making her like, oh, wait, she's so sad. She's evil now, which it doesn't feel right. Yeah, I'm going to kill the other version of me to give them a fake mommy just because I want kids like that made zero sense. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's like someone who does not want kids. I'm just like, (laughs) you can keep them. I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm like. Well, Fuck them kids. It, it was also just very, again, very thinly written. It, it, it was um, it was shorthand. She is the mother of sons and therefore she wants them. There's no other reason they don't like build that up. They assume you watch WandaVision, which also did not create a really good do bond. anything for nope. their relationship. Nope. No, we don't nope. get to know the because they Timmy, also Tommy, Billy, whatever at all. Yeah, because they fast forwarded their ages. I mean, this was a show where everyone was going crazy about, oh yeah, grief is what is grief but love enduring. Persevering. 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 Right. And then and then we're gonna turn her crazy. 
And then also, you know, who cares about vision? We're just going to care about these fake No, fake she kids. resolved her vision grief in WandaVision. This is fresh grief now. This is new sun grief. No, I heard, I mean, but there's supposedly another vision out there. I know they answered the questions in some interview saying that there's a reason why she didn't look for vision, but I don't buy it. Also, why not look for your, your twin? Uh. Like, like, come on. Like she had the most grief of any character ever. And they just fixate on the kids because she is a mom. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's that her is purpose. how men understand motherhood. Yeah. That's uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like we've kind of made our feelings on that aspect of the movie known <laughs> now, and we've talked about the Raminess. So let's talk about Wong. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like it feels like we're down on this movie, even though we. Ha- I mean, I think we can have fun watching the film while also admitting this film did a lot of things that didn't sit well with us. Um, but going back to something positive, I guess I did enjoy that um, a Doctor Strange movie means fun Wong interactions and benedict wong is still probably the the best part in any phase four marvel um, film and he's been in all of them he's been in spider-man he's been in multiverse of madness he was in shang chi um which makes me scared because is he the colson of phase four I don't know. Let's let's not draw that. Well, yeah, let's not kill Benedict Wong yet. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's not pre-kill him. I do think, as a British man putting on an accent, the Wong accent works a little, little bit better. Although I do feel like both characters will be stronger if they both just use their natural accents. Just be British. Just do be whatever. Like <laughs> I, I do think, though, I agree that Wong is not only just like the best thing of all of these movies, but he's just always just brings such personality to such small scenes. Um, you always leave him one and more. <laughs> I think, so. yeah, I think what draws me to him is him, like us, is totally over this universe. Yes, 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 yes. There's a sort of uh, jadedness, but kind of like he has a sense of humor about it. He's wry. Uh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and I do kind of feel like he's just tired of all these white dudes causing problems. Because let's face it, all the yes. problems in this world are caused by these white dude superheroes, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Even in the first film, I was like, I don't understand why Stephen Strange gets to like hop up the ranks. But, you know, that's just a metaphor for, you know, our world. Anyway. I'm also just saying, you know, even with crazy guests like Girl Boss Swan to Maximoff, I'm like, you know, she said nothing wrong. I totally agree with you, girl. Uh, they made you do a lot of, they were like, we're not, it's just like very inconsistent. We're like, when do you sacrifice a life and when do you not? And I'm like, mm-hmm. and you know where I stand. I'm the one, <laughs> I'm the bitch after Spider-Man. Like, it's fucking not May's fault. Like, what the fuck? Like, you're willing to sacrifice all those, but... <laughs> You know, a kid you just met that technically doesn't even exist in this universe. You're like, nah, that's where I draw the line. I'm like, I don't get it. But also, fuck them kids. So don't listen to me. (laughs) They need to write kids better. I have. I agree. Not that we need them. We can take all the kids out of the the equation. I think the movie would be just fine. But if you're going to include them, do better. Give them a character. Make me care about them. I mean... Uh, it's yeah especially when you consider okay so america chavez is played by zocio uh gomez and who i adored in babysitter's club season one 
She's great. They recast her for season two because apparently she was off making a Marvel movie. So (laughs) I really enjoyed her. And I think she's a great actress. I think there is a reason why they chose her for this because as little as they gave her, I do think she comes off as very charismatic still. They just needed to give her like more than just like a power. (laughs) Um, they, They definitely could have had a lot more banter, a lot more just, I don't know, um, character buildings like get to know her a bit more um yeah but yes. i want to see the story where it's wanda traveling the multiverse with sochi as her sidekick slash guide yeah i could see like it. a buddy cop movie through the universe with wanda yeah. and sochi yeah and then america becomes her surrogate daughter i mean that would have been a way better that's yes. a great idea don't see Aww. But they picked a man and the man can only understand motherhood in one way. Yeah. Uh, speaking of America Chavez's um, ability, I do want to say before, and this is the last point before we talk about whether or not it's good pop. I was expecting more multiversal madness in this film. And maybe it's because I was spoiled by everything ever all at once because that film did it. They didn't even traverse multiverses in that film, but we saw a lot. Like this film gave us like one long montage of a smash cut of what we could have seen in multiverses and then end up in a world where green means stop and red means go yes yes. that was the crazy thing and pizza's in the shape of a ball i i I also found it very funny because the like when you're saying there's one long you know uh sequence where he actually was like where we paint in one sequence, and I was like, oh, dude, you don't even know. <laughs> like, you could have had hot dog fingers for uh, hot dogs for fingers. You could have been uh, Pinata. pinatas. You could have been all these other things that A were. Rock. Yeah, that uh, everything <laughs> everywhere all at once did so much better and explored so much more deeply and just ha- more creatively. So, uh, yes, yeah. you, d- you limited yourself. In which everything, everything ever all at once is about, you know, how if everything is possible, everything is important. This film is, well, in every single universe, you are a dick and you lose the girl. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It's like, I think that's that's acceptable. <laughs> like, he's a dick in every universe. He will always love Christine, but she might not always love him, I'd say. Uh, so, um, but speaking of love... Um, any thoughts on the very last, uh, I guess it was the cameo um, credit, mid-credit sequence? I know she's supposed to become his love interest. I just don't see it right now. Yeah. When I read up on her, I was like, oh, this is some Marvel bullshit. Like, uh, <laughs> Wait, they're going to push Charlize Theron, like beautiful goddess with Benedict Cumberbatch. Doctor Strange <laughs> so, with Benedict Cumberbatch? Well, so supposedly, we'll see whether or not it plays out the same way, but she is the niece of Dormammu. Um, and the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, Guys, I can't, I can't, I can't and I do think, this. I think he eventually becomes Source of Supreme. I don't know. Uh whatever <laughs> oh they should have done a source of supreme where like they're in a world of pizzas Sorry. Uh, yeah <laughs> i mean i did yeah that mid-credits <laughs> ending scene sort of retroactively ruined the actual ending scene where they give you the raimi final freak out like the final yes! jump scare you know which was great and then they like got- undid it in the middle it's like oh i mean that's yeah he got his third eye which is super creepy very raimi um 
any anytime your body part, you know, like sprouts another body part that <laughs> shouldn't be there. Um, good stuff. That's always been my nightmare uh, since I was a kid. Like, well, actually, several nightmares, one of many. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I mean, it they had to they had to do it though. Like, yeah, I, that's that's Marvel. Why why just do one thing when you can do twenty things that are just overkill? <laughs> I just I just. I can't. I can't. Right. I'm tapping out, guys. I'm tapping out. I just, I can't do this anymore. All, all I know is I did have to say maybe the other reason why I very much enjoyed this was I did get to see it in a theater that we rented out with a bunch of friends. So it was a communal experience, and that's very much why people like are fighting to get back to theaters because they like that communal experience. But it was also a communal experience with the people I trust. Yeah. So that was a different, yeah. All right, so. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Is this good pop? I almost say no, because I think the biggest thing is it is really so close to the other multiverse movie, which was so original and based on relationship and thought and like just sat with me for so long and like made me question things I've never questioned before. And then you get this and you're just like, Oh, is this like, I mean, it's not a new argument. And I told like, you know, like, is this what we're missing out on when we just make Marvel movies? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, like it's never hit as hard because it's just never been so thematically similar Mm -hmm. or like, you know, conceptually similar. And I'm like, like, am I going to think about Doctor Strange? at all as soon as i hit you know stop you know as soon as the movie's over no i'm not gonna think about it at all until like the we next third mar doctor strange movie comes out and i have to be like what the fuck happened in that movie and the eight series that have come out since then that i need to understand to understand what the fuck is going on in this next movie and like oh my god i still don't care about the kids <laughs> so you know i'm I'm gonna be a, i'm gonna be the downer and be like no i don't think this is good pop culture i think i think marvel needs to take a hard look at i mean it makes so much money but like <laughs> take a hard look at itself and be like mm, you're taking some of this generation's best talent though pat talent and making them do some shitty shitty stories <laughs> Uh, and I don't necessarily even blame the craftspeople involved like no. i don't even think it's Raimi's no. fault i think all the actors are good it's just it's the machine. It's like the product. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I'm a little over it. Uh, yeah. And everything everywhere all at once gave you a good mother story. The one that was actually <laughs> nuanced. But anyway, not to keep on trashing. I will weigh in on. I'll come in on as I will allow it. <laughs> um, for all the reasons that we criticized it for, I don't think it was a great movie. I do like the raminess of coming back to the Evil Dead sort of um, feeling. And that's why I, I'm i hoping that this sort of shows a direction that the MCU is going in. But I kind of do agree. I would love it if they just went back to one Marvel movie a year that we could like look forward to. And maybe they could take time to create a better story um, and just create just everything better. So... Um, this is what we got. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's not it's not my least favorite Marvel movie, that's for sure. So. <laughs> yeah, the way I see this is um going with the multiverse theme. This is simultaneously 
good pop culture and also everything that's wrong with current pop culture <laughs> at the same time. Um, because the movie itself was fun. Um, if you don't think about the plot implications of things that happened in the film, which you can't because of how the MCU works and everything's interconnected between movies and TV shows and I don't know, shorts at this point too. And like, that's the thing, right? It's it's this big unwieldy thing that's both in space and in magical dimensions and also in, on Earth and has to be all of these things at the same time. And that also constrains it, right? There, There's a reason why this movie couldn't take those big swings that I was looking for in a multiversal film and it's because it has to make sure it makes sense in the context of every other tv and film which it's also doing a bad job of because again the characterization of scarlet which totally goes counter to what that character um, experienced in wandavision which they wave away with like one line oh yeah the book makes people evil or gives them dark thoughts which again super lazy right so yeah i mean it's like it's like when you it's like what they did with thor right like they ragnarok was like Thor went on a whole journey about how like he you know he's the it's not the weapon it's him and like he doesn't need the hammer to be the god of thunder and then like in the in the Avengers Infinity Gauntlet they're like oh I need to go find a hammer <laughs> yeah it, it it's basically in the MCU everything is connected except for character development so. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. When everything's connected, oh nothing God. matters, right? That's the te- that's the tagline. Everything's connected except the character. Oh, well, I guess that'll do it for a discussion of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I don't think our takes were that spicy because I think we're pretty in line with people that we that we talked to about this film. It was a fun time, but it also was a little um, infuriating at points. All that being said, I am looking forward to Ms. Marvel coming up next month. I will watch that um, out of I obligation, curious. I guess, because, you know. Yeah, next month. Not, <laughs> next month, not supposedly an Asian month, but still an Asian month. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they still got us, I guess. <laughs> um, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian-hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. We'll be back next week to talk about the new animated film from Disney, Chip and Tail Rescue Rangers, which, you know, I've been trying to get Han and Jess to watch DuckTales for the longest time. It didn't work, but I guess we'll watch this other um, beloved Disney afternoon property get revived um, and see what we think. It looks wild. I don't know. What are you guys going to make me watch, guys? (laughs) I'm excited. It looks wild. All right. We'll see y'all next time on the Good Pop Culture Club. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 